Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Man, what an amazing morning already. Can you do it one, one more time? The band and worship team just did an amazing job. Can you just, just thank Jesus, thank them? I mean, it was just out of this world today. Uh, it's interesting, when Pat was talking uh, at offering in first service, um, I kind of forgot a little bit about that. I, I remember now, at the, we were at the staff retreat, and you've heard me talk about dream boards and all that. We had the dream board out, and um, one of the things that I said is, I want to be a place not only to provide food and clothing and outreach and all that, I want to provide it with dignity. And because there's lots of times we just give things out to people, and we're not very dignified in that. And how can we restore dignity to you know, uh, just a world out there that's, that's far from God, first of all, but that's, that's in need, They're, you know, the, the, whether it's food or whether it's clothing or whatever. And so um, we originally were going to call it a dream center, and then one of our friends, uh, one of my friend's church, my pastor, actually still my pastor, my pastor's church uh, started a dream center down in South Augusta, and we said, well, you know, maybe, maybe we'll call it something else. Little did we know that two years later, it wasn't going to be on this campus. It was going to be on another campus that God was going to give us, and we were going to launch. So I want you to do me a favor, the Evans campus, because today the Sherwood campus is joining us, but I want you, Evans campus, give them a big round of applause. So let them hear you. It's good to see you guys at Sherwood. Man, what a great day it is. What a great time of worship. I'm sure Greg and Whitney did an amazing job leading you in worship down there. Uh, man, what, a, what an amazing series. And, and if you haven't been with us at all, or maybe you kind of bits and pieces, this is a series that we actually started way back before COVID even kind of existed. It was uh, right at the first week or two. And it's called From the Mount. And it's actually, how cool is it that we're taking messages that Jesus actually taught his disciples, that we're taking those same messages and we're teaching those same principles 2,000 years later. And I was a little leery about this one. And I'll tell you why, because I don't know that, I, I really don't know that many people that struggle with this. So it was one of those deals where do we really talk about something in church that not many people struggle with? But I was kind of provoked by God to go, yeah, maybe probably just one person, maybe two people in a congregation this size, you know, faith community this size, maybe two people have this issue. So I'll let you know what it is, and then we'll kind of talk a little bit about it. And if, you, if it doesn't pertain to you, just check out. You're allowed to today, okay? So I'm going to talk about war, worry and anxiety today. It, how many people ever deal with that? Oh, a lot more than just one or two. Okay, so we struggle with that around here. This is how it came about. Um, I don't know about you guys, I had an aha moment. I was fishing in my boat. I was up at Clarks Hill Lake. I was way up by Elijah Clark State Park. I put in at Wildwood. If you know anything about that, it's about a 30-minute boat ride. So I'm up at the other side of 378 Bridge uh, by Elijah Clark State Park. And in the summer times, it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens occasionally. All of a sudden, you'll have this dense fog that'll come over the whole entire lake. And it will absolutely, it's, it's debilitating. You can't see in front of you. It's like you see shadows of things. You think you're going to hit land. You think you hear boats, all that kind of stuff. Well, in the midst of all this, I'm, I'm way up there, and I, I'm, I'm kind of pulling, and I get to the, the, the fog bank, and I shut the, shut the boat down because I'm afraid that I'm going to hit something. So I'm, 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 I'm literally, I'm paralyzed. I don't know what to do now. Like I have a 30 minute ride. I got to get back. I got work to do at the house. I got all kinds of things. You know, I, I, I'm going to tell my wife I'm going to be late, you know, all that. Well, then all of a sudden it kind of dawned on me that in this boat, I have thousands of dollars worth of electronic equipment. I have things that will tell me literally where I'm at and where I need to go and tell me how to get. The only thing it doesn't do is drive the boat for me. It's called a GPS. So in the middle of this thing, I've got this unit on my, on my dashboard. It's about that big. It's colored. It's got lines. And I, I put my lines in pink. So I, I rode from Wildwood all the way down or all the way up to Elijah Clark. So what I had was I had a trail, right? A trail all the way back where I needed to go. And it dawned on me. 
I shouldn't be afraid of very much. All I got to do is follow that little trail back. And here's the aha moment, kind of two things. The first aha moment was, I have a GPS on my boat that'll take me where I need to go. And actually, what you can do is you can actually take it and go, this is where I want to go, even if you've never been there. And you can ask it, what's the shortest route? How can I get from point A to point B? Here's, here's the aha moment. It, it dawned on me. Do you know we have a GPS? It's not a global positioning system. It's a God positioning system. It's called the Word of God. It's called, it's called the Bible. And if we use this tool right here, regardless of what we're trying to navigate, the storms of life or fog banks or whatever it is, God will take us through his word exactly where he wants us to go. He teaches us how to raise kids. He teaches us how to go through career. He teaches us, you know, relationship. Everything that we need to know about is in this book. And I know that seems kind of elementary, but I go back to thousands of years now. This, over the thousand years this book has been written, people have been gleaning wisdom. And if you don't believe me today, that's fine. I'm not trying to convince you to believe the Bible today. But read a little bit of it. Go to the book of Proverbs and just don't tell me that it's not a lot of wisdom for today the things that we're going through and how, how to do life. And so that was the first thing, global position. And you can't just, by the way, you can't pick and choose what you want. You got to take the whole thing. And that's why a journey, we talk about this all the time. We talk about we're surrendered to the, the word of God. We surrender to God's word. It's, it's, the, it's the priority of our life. We don't make a move without going to God's word. And we also say when God's word gets in us, what happens is life change happens. And that's what we're about right here. So that was the first aha moment. Here's the second one. And I didn't know this. It took a little bit of study. But according to the nation's Bureau of Standards, a dense fog bank, we'll just take one for size, maybe seven blocks long and maybe 100 feet deep, okay? Seven blocks long and 100 feet deep. You're thinking, I wonder how much water is in that, right? Do you know that it's only one glass of water in a seven block by 100 feet deep? One glass of water. You think that thing is dense and you think, that, that, that you can't penetrate, you can't get through it. And it made me think, here's the second aha moment. That's how worry is. Worry seems to be debilitating. It paralyzes us. It seems to be larger than life. We can't see very far in front of us. But when you finally make it through the other side of worry, you kind of go, was that all there is? Like that, that's all I had to go through? That was it, just one, one glass of water? And it's interesting. I'm amazed at what a lot of us worry about. We, 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 all of us in this room worry about totally different things. I was talking to somebody, and they went to visit uh, one of the uh, people in one of the assisted uh, care homes here. She's 95 years old, 95 years old, right? That's, that's pretty old, right? And the person worked, walked in and said, okay, are you okay? She goes, I'm just worried to death. Well, what are you worried about? You're, you're worried about like, not getting taken care of? No, no, it's not that. They take really good care. Are you worried about not getting enough food? No. Are you worried about like, you know, people not visiting you? No, I'm not worried about it. Well, what is it that you're worried about? Because you are making yourself sick with this worry. And she said, all my friends in here have died and they've gone to heaven and they're probably wondering where I'm at right now. <laughs> worry. Some people lay awake at night wondering if their spouse really loves them. They toss and turn all night long wondering if their marriage is going to make it. And other people, it never crosses their mind. Some people worried about their kids. I mean, especially in times like this, are our kids going, are they safe going to school? Are they not safe going to school? What's going to happen? Are they making right decisions? Are they doing the right thing? We're, we're worried. I mean, I remember even as my kids were growing up, but it's, it's, it's even as intense now as my kids are 24, my twins are 24, and my oldest is 26. 
They literally leave my house and I wait for them to text me to know that they're home. They live on the other side of town. Even at 55 years old, I'm still worried about my kids. And the other people don't ever worry about them. Like this doesn't even cross their mind. Some people are worried about their health. Like it's interesting to me because every time I have a pain, I think it's COVID or cancer right now. Anybody else with me on that? Like my toe was hurt and I got COVID. I got COVID. It's a hangnail, Bobby. It's not COVID. You know, some people that sit there, like literally, I, I, remember, I remember hanging out with my grandmother at times and, and, and she, she worried about everything. You hear a little story about it. She, she worried about everything. Every time she had an ailment, it was something. Some people in this room right here, you're worrying about your job. Why wouldn't you? I mean, we live in a strange world right now. Literally one day you walk in and think you have a job, you walk in the next day and the plant's closing down. Or that, or, or that, or that business that was so vital to our community and so, you know, just so, so you know, like, like, like amazing that now all of a sudden it's not bringing any profit margin, so they, gotta, they close it down. And some people don't think about that at all. I, I know if you're probably close to my age or maybe a little bit old, you're wondering about retirement. Like, you, you're worried about making sure there's enough money. If you're 17, you don't really care. But if you're 55 or something, you're thinking, I've only got, you know, 10 or 15 years left of maybe working. And it's something that, that charges me up at night. I stay awake at night wondering how the investments are doing. And other people don't even, don't even bother them. The average person's worry is focused on these couple things. 40% of things that will never, ever, ever happen. 40% of things, it'll never happen. What you're worrying about, 40% of the things that you worry about will never, ever happen. 30% of the things are past in the past and you can't change them anyway. But you're worrying about things that happened way back here, 12%, what others are saying about them and most of what they say that about 85 to 95% of what people are saying about you is untrue, but you worry about it, don't you? You worry about what people think. 15% is health, which ends up, and I'm gonna share something in a minute, which makes it worse. Worrying actually makes your, your health worse and then 3%, 3%, 3%. Think about all the time we worry and anxiety. 3% of what you worry about actually happens. Like it actually, it's happening like right now. It's like literally on you. I go through the dangers of worry and I go, is it really worth it? I mean, one of the first things that happens with worry is we need to understand worry causes all kinds of health problems. There's an old English word for the word worry and it actually is, it means choked out. Isn't that what worry does to us? Doesn't worry and anxiety actually choke us? It makes it feel like, we're, like we're, there's a stranglehold on us and it's hard to breathe. And, and it's, it's amazing to me because uh, statistics show that because of uh, this thing called worry and anxiety, greater anxiety, sleeplessness, loss of appetite, overeating, headaches, undereating, acid reflux, high blood pressure, ulcers, even respiratory problems lead back to this thing called worry. Not only does worry cause your health problems, worry, it literally keeps you from enjoying life, doesn't it? Do you ever think about this? Have you ever been in a beautiful spot? Say you're on vacation in Aruba or you're on vacation at Clark, wherever, wherever you like, Hilton Head, and you're sitting there and you're, you're looking at this beautiful sunset. I mean, it's, it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Or maybe, maybe you're just sitting there gazing in the eyes of the person that you love the most, and then right in the middle of that, it's somehow or another, the enemy throws this, you know, this weird thought in your mind and all of a sudden worry is, is, is the focus of everything. That, that struggle that you're having at work, that struggle you're having with your kids, you can't even enjoy the better things in life. No, that's, that's, what, that's what worry does. Not only does it do that, if you read the Bible a little bit, you'll understand that worry, because the Bible says 
Worry is a lack of faith, and if it's a lack of faith, the Bible calls a lack of faith sin. So literally, when we worry and are anxious, we're actually in sin. And you know what we're saying? You may want to write this down, and I think this is a great definition for worry and anxiety. When we have those things and we're struggling with those things, we're saying that our problems are bigger than our God. We're saying this problem over here, this relational breakdown, this, this money situation, this, this situation going on in the world with COVID and all the other things. We're, a lot of us are saying that's, we, I mean, just look at people's Facebook. We, it's like the world's coming to an end, like all this stuff. Instead of going, you know something, stuff, I want you to notice how big my God is. My God's still the God that moves mountains. My God's still the God that heals. My God's the one that parts seeds. My God's the one that when there seems to be no way, he's the one that makes a way. And so we need to understand that, that, that literally it's a sin when we don't, we don't believe that God's bigger than our problems. So what does Jesus say from the mount? That's the series, right? From the mount. We looked at all kinds of concepts. He's been talking to these religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees. He's been talking about these religious things because that's what he sees. You're just religious. You're not spiritual. And so what does he say? He says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, he says, don't be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He says, look, look at the birds of the air. They neither, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says this, are you not more value, is there not more value that you have than, than them? And I was interested, I was, I was reading through this, like, why birds? Why would he ever use, like, he, like, if I want to be compared to something, I want to be compared to a lion. Like, you're like the lions of the field, and you're courageous, and you, hey, birds. Like birds. Like a hummingbird. Like, mm, okay. An eagle. Birds. Well, maybe there's a reason he says that. I want you to think about something for a second. Your average bird, okay, if you pull any bird out there, like the one that's out back of your house, you know, if you pull any bird, you know what they're going to say? Hey, I have a pretty nice standard of living. I have comfortable housing. It's an excellent location. Wherever your bird is, it's probably an excellent location, right? It's, 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 it's an incredible view. Uh, Mortgage-free. I like that so far, right? Think about this. Your bird, that bird, that average bird that you're, you're pulling to see how they're... They have no traffic problems. They don't have to ride on, uh, on Washington Road. They never have to go to Atlanta on 75. It, I mean, that sounds pretty good, right? The, the, the no, no traffic problems. Listen, they never have to hunt for a parking space at Walmart. Think about that. Jesus is comparing and says, look, look, look at the birds. He says, and they, all, they have plenty of food to eat. It's, it's everywhere. Everywhere the bird flies. Your bird, wherever that bird flies. Everywhere that bird flies, there's something to eat. And every winter... They get to travel to the south for several months and have vacation. Who's in for that one? So the bird thing's not a bad gig, is it? And maybe there's more to it. Maybe what he's saying is they, they, they're supplied by everything. They, they depend on me. And what happens in our lives so many times, we get dependent on us. And he's saying, listen, I want you to be like the birds depend on me. And when we talked about it last week, one of the key things that needs to happen if we're going to get past and move past this thing called worry is we may have to realign our priorities. Maybe it's because we have a priority issue. We, we literally talked about, and it's not by chance that Jesus starts this sermon with the talk about money. And maybe there's some parallels between money and worry. Maybe the, one of the primary reasons that we worry so much is we don't have a handle on where money fits in our lives. This is what he said in verse 19. We, didn't, we, we read this last week. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in. It's interesting to me that he talks about that before he talks to this thing, uh, uh, this thing called money. We talked about this last week. If you didn't part, want more part of it, go back and watch it. We talk about don't treasure your treasures. Don't treasure your, your house and your boats and your, your cars and your things because they can't love you back. My boat never comes in, you know, right before bed and goes, hey, give me a kiss goodnight. <laughs> My boat never, not one time. I've had the same boat for 10 years. Maybe it's time for a new boat. My truck, as much as I like my truck, my truck never, hey, you did a really good job speaking this morning. You're, you're amazing. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. Come on. But you know, I found people that treasure their treasures and they love their things, things that can't love them back. And maybe that's why we have such a struggle with priorities because we put our priorities on all the wrong stuff. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think this, I really do believe this actually. Worry is a signal. It's a signal that something isn't right in our priorities. When we worry about stuff, it's because our, 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 we have to realign what's going on in our lives. It's interesting because I was reading some quotes. Um, Henry Ford from, from the Ford Company. He says this. He said, I was, happier, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. Like I was making a little bit of money. I didn't have all the stuff I have right now, but I was the happiest I've ever been. Vanderbilt says this. The care of $2 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. These are guys saying their priorities have been out of whack all their life. And I, I love the way Andrew Carnegie says it. Millionaires seldom smile. You know what I found out too? There's a lot of people, it doesn't make a difference how much money you have. When you're loving your things, when you're loving your treasures, when you're treasuring your treasures, you never smile. It's always about getting a little bit more and getting to the next phase in life. Now I'm gonna ask you a question. You don't have to answer it. You don't have to raise your hand, and I'm not going to ask for a percentage. But what is it that you worry about? What is it you worry about? What's the thing that keeps you awake at night? And if it's one of these things, if it's, you know, the next, the next job or the next, the next promotion or having, having some type of extra security or if it's that, that big account or whatever it is, if we're putting our bigger house or what people think of us, our priorities are probably out of the line. And they need to be brought back into. The Bible talks about it over and over again, about bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ. Romans says it like this. Don't be any longer conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, that there needs to be a renewing of our mind. Our mind needs to be changed. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all this other stuff will be added into the, into place. When we do that first, everything else seems to work out, doesn't it? The problem is a lot of us in our lives have the other stuff as a priority over God. Don't treasure your treasure. Don't love things that can't love you back. And the second thing I want us all to get today, because I think this will help diminish worry. Trust, this is a big word, trust that God will provide for you. Trust that God is in control of everything. Trust that God knows better than you. So how many people have kids how many, that you claim? Most of us, okay. So kids. So when, when my kids were small, and even now it's funny because, but when my kids were small, they never came home. My, my, not, not a single one of my kids ever walked in. My wife has never walked in the house and go, hey, are we going to have a house tomorrow? Like, is the house going to be here tomorrow? Like, like daddy, are you going to make enough money to, to pay for the, they never worried about that. They never worried about, you know, and sometimes, listen, some people, I, I get it. They, they struggle, you know, down on their luck or whatever you want to call it. They're, they're, but 
Like my kids have never walked in the house. Like now, now we may have had to eat beanie weenies, right? Or a bologna sandwich. Anybody live on bologna sandwiches for a little while? Okay, I'm gonna uh, age old question here. Fried bologna or no? Uh, just fried bologna. Raise your hand. You guys are gross. That Jesus doesn't even eat fried bologna. Why would you eat it? Jesus doesn't eat bologna. It's in the Bible. It's in Hesitations, chapter three. It's in there. It's in Hesitations. Do you know why my kids never worried about stuff like that? They worried about who they were going to maybe date or who they were going to marry or what school they were going to go to, all that. They never worried about the the sustenance of stuff. They never worried about stuff because they knew that dad loved them and that dad was going to take it. And, and, And here's the really cool thing. I'm not all powerful and I'm not all knowing and I don't, I don't have the universe in my hand, but I was going to do everything that I could possibly do to make sure that my kids were taken care of. How much more does the father, the heavenly father, want to do that with his children? That he only wants to give us good gifts. But when we act like he can't provide, when, he, when we act like he's not enough, like what are we saying to the father? If, if my kids would have walked in, like there's been a couple times, like there's a couple times where we're like, dad, this is what we're eating. We're only having filet mignon. No, it was never closed hand. That's a felony. Open hand is a misdemeanor. I'm so, no, I'm just kidding. Will's over there looking at me like, really? No, serious. Verse 26. I love this. Look at the birds of the air. This is, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I love this. Are you not of more value than they? Than the birds of the air. Are you not of more value And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? As a matter of fact, it'll take time off of your life, won't it? And then it goes on, verse 28, and why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Like, you don't even trust. Like, can you imagine God having that conversation? Like, you don't even trust me. Therefore, don't, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what, what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after all these things? And your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. I'm going to give you a cliche, and I, you, you know me well enough. And I'm, I don't usually use cliches, but I, I just want you to hear this one because this one's true. God will take care of you. I don't know how it happens. I don't know how it works out all the times, but I know God will take care of you. And, and you may be tossing and turning all night long about that marriage. And it may seem like it's... It, and listen, I'm not saying that God will even restore the marriage. I'm just saying God will take care of you. Can, can I throw out something? You're worrying about your kids right now. Here's a boat lesson that I've learned. And if you don't know what happens at the boat, I pray by my boat and God speaks to me by my boat. And one of the things he taught me years ago is he loves my kids more than I love my kids. By the way, by the way, they were his kids before they were your kids. They were fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, not your image. You think they look like you, but they look like the father, the real father. Stop worrying about it. The Bible says this, God's word never comes back void. Let me, my, if my kids, my kids reject, can reject the Jesus of the Bible, they can reject all that. You know what they can't reject? You know what they can't overcome? 
the prayers that I pray every day for them. Every day, every day, every day, every day. It never comes back void. Maybe your kids are far from God right now. Maybe, maybe they're not as close as you would like them to be. Maybe you have screwed up as a mom and dad and now they're even adult kids and you're going, well, start praying for them. Make it a matter, one of the things I'm gonna talk about in a minute, make it a matter of prayer. But by the way, don't wait till they're too old for that. Pray for them now. I remember this vividly and it doesn't always work perfectly, but I believe in the sovereignty and the favor of God. We prayed for my kids' spouses before my kids were born. God, provide the right husband, provide the right provider, provide the right person, provide the right friends, provide the right school. He loves your kids more than you do. How about this? Are you worried about your health? And I, I'm not joking around about this one. This is, this is way more serious than I make it. I have friends of mine that cancer runs in their family. I have friends of mine right now, they're just this past week, were diagnosed with cancer. I have friends of mine that were, are sitting in, 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 a, in a, literally a friend that's dying of COVID right now. This is real. But, but worrying about it doesn't help us. Taking it to the one who can change the circumstances, that's what helps us. And by the way, God's got this. God's got this. This did not surprise him. What's going on in your life did not surprise him. He, he knew it was gonna happen and he's gonna do something so bold and so crazy. I remember my daughter said to me one time, she said, dad, it was a really bad time in our lives. She said, dad, I wanna tell you something. God's getting ready to show out. And I went, what? She goes, you know how God is, right? And I'm like, yeah, and you always tell us God's getting ready to show out. And sure enough, within the next three months, I saw God do things in my life, in our church, in my friendships, in my family that I would have never seen because that's the way God operates. I love the way it's read. This, this is a really cool scripture in the, the New Living Translation. It says, so don't worry about the things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These aren't thoughts that people that know Jesus should have. When we trust in Christ, we shouldn't be, these, these thoughts shouldn't be going through our mind. We should be thinking, God, you are gonna do something because I'm yours. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worse. Today is trouble and it not, is enough for today. Let me give you a third thing. We'll close right here. We need to learn, and this is gonna sound like a contradiction to last week. Last week I said, don't live in the moment. Today I'm gonna tell you to live in the moment. Live in the moment. Live for today. Let me tell you why. There's so many people that live in the past and there's so many people that live way out in the future. They're worrying about all these things that could possibly happen and they're, and they're worried about all these things that happened in their past and they never live in the present. They're never literally taking care of stuff. I, the Bible says in verse 34, it says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day as its own trouble, meaning there's enough right now. I have a grandmother that is, a, they used to call him war, I can't say, I'm from New Jersey, I can't say worry right. Worry, W-O-R-R-Y, worry. She was a worry wart. Anybody have anybody like that in their family? Like she, she would go like this, you know, I'll see you tomorrow, Grandma, Lord willing. Y'all had one of those? Like, I'm gonna eat my peas now. Lord willing, you won't choke. And so, this is how sad it is. She worried, I, I really think she worried her life away. 
And she worried and worried and worried and worried. And then one day, and it was so trivial, so minor. I can't even remember what the circumstance was. She goes, there it is. It happened. It happened. Just like I, I, I've been worrying all the years. And it happened. And I remember my uncle. I think this is where I get a little bit of my um, sarcasm from at times. And maybe my lack, lack of filter. He said, aren't you glad that all your worrying paid off? Could, could you imagine wasting all of that worry on something that never really happened? But there's a truth there, isn't there? I think we spend a lot of times on things generally trivial, 3% stuff, 3% stuff, that really is out of our control and probably will never happen. And this is what I'm finding out. People live in one of two areas. I'm trying to get you to live in the middle. I'm trying to get you to live from the present, but people live in two areas. They either live in the past or the future. Bitterness, anger, and disappointment, all the negative stuff is in our past. That's all the things we, and by the way, you can't, you can't change a lot of that stuff. You can change who you are, but you can't change the circumstances. You can't change those things. Bitterness, anger, resentment, all that kind of stuff is stuff in our past. And lots of people today are living way back here because the way mom or dad did something or maybe a bad relationship, they're living way back here. And then there's this whole, other whole group of people that are living way out there. They're so worried about what didn't happen yet. That's anxiety and fear and their emotions that are experienced as we anticipate what's going to come to the future. I'm telling you, you can't do anything about either one of them. So why not work on today? Why not make sure that you're living in this moment right here? See, both rob us of the blessings that God wants us to have. But when we're living today, living in the past is the past, the future is the future. What would happen if we just lived in this present moment? Hey, let me, let me tell you. There's two things that we worry about. I'm going to give you a great, deep spiritual truth. You may want to write this down. This may be a tweet. You may want to tweet this later. Pastor Bobby said, okay, there's two, two, fall into two categories, what we can change and what we can't change. That was deep, wasn't it? But you know what most of us spend our lives doing? Trying to figure out the things that we can't change. Instead of taking action in the things that we can change. And that's how we look at this thing called worry. Instead of worrying about the things we can't change, what if we took action on the things that we do we can manipulate in our lives? Instead of worrying about them, can I give you just a solution to this thing today? This is what I've been doing. Instead of worrying, I've been praying. And there's a correlation. By the way, the more I worry, the less I pray. The less I worry, it seems like it's because the more I'm praying. And when I'm praying about stuff, it seems like worry goes away. Wow. Here's some scripture that I've been using lately. Uh, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God. It's in my journal. I open it up just about every morning. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added. Philippians chapter 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And first, Peter 5. This is familiar. We've Probably heard this before if you've ever been to church. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares. Give him everything. Not some of them, all of them. One of the things that I've learned, let me, let me, anybody have a yard like grass? Like weeds? Praise Jesus, that's me. So last Sunday, I, a guy from our church, he's a landscape guy. He's like a real smart in landscaping, right? And he knows all the different trees and he's walking. And he's, I have him come over because I need a sprinkler system. 
And he's going, you know, you got look, you're a really good patch of centipede over there. And, and over here, you got a really good patch of St. Augustine over here. And over here, you have Bahia. And he said, man, your, your crop of crabgrass is amazing over here. This is like really good bumper crop of crabgrass. And you have chickweed over there. But I, so I'm walking around with this guy and I, I'm noticing everywhere there's really good grass, like, like really good, there's no weeds in it. And I've spent, I've spent over, just since August, since we moved there, several hundred dollars raking and, and putting new fertilizer down and pulling weeds. And every time I pull weeds up, you know what happens? More weeds come up. Now, I noticed this. So he's walking around. He's walking around. He goes, well, that's really good over there. I said, well, what's, the, what's the deal here? He goes, the better and thicker the grass, the less chance the weeds are. They have less ability to grow through that thick grass. You have really good grass. So why don't you keep working on your really good grass and not worry about pulling weeds and putting all that stuff down? And so I'm walking around. I'm like, and I, I said, that's like a spiritual thing, isn't it? And I went, yes, that is a spiritual thing. I may use that on a Sunday. And, and you know, we spend a lot of times worrying. We pull the, pull the weed out, and what happens? 30 minutes later, you know, problems are like revolving doors. You guys know that, right? Did you ever get stuck on one? Go to one of those really nice places? And... I'm here again. That, that's our problems. That's worry. That's anxiety. So instead of spending all that time doing that, what if we, what if we fertilize the good grass, the good stuff in our lives? What, what, what if we, we, what if we put a lot of time into the good stuff in our life and had, had the greatest crop of grass we could and, and what that is is spending time with the Father, fertilizing the things in our lives: faith, hope, love, patience. All those things. We're fertilizing those things. And I think what will happen if, if we're doing that, instead of worrying about just plucking those little small weeds out that are going to go back, what would happen if that grass actually overtakes all that area? I was thinking about this because I walked in here this morning and the band was singing a song. And I'm making some bold claims today. I, I believe that, that we can overcome worry. I believe we can overcome anxiety. I don't think you can do it on your own. It's about how you fertilize your life. It's what you're putting in your life. When you're believing in the promises of God, when you're putting the, the, the word of God in your life, when you're praying, when we're fasting like we did a couple of weeks ago, when you're in fellowship with per that's that's fertilizing the good stuff. And they were singing a song that's literally a blessing. It's a prayer of blessing that Aaron would put over the children of Israel. And I thought to myself, if there's ever been a time in Journey's history that I would love to be able to do this over and over again, it's right now. I can say that I, I, I struggle with worry, but the more I cultivate the good things and the, I understand the promises of truth and truths of God, it becomes less and less and less. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand up with me. I'm going to read a passage. Everybody stand up in the room. We're almost done. About another 40 minutes, we'll be done. I'm going to read this. And then we're going to sing this song. And today, I don't want to make it just a song that we're singing. I want it to be our prayer. I want it to be a prayer that I'm praying over you, but I want it to be a prayer that you're praying over yourself and that you're praying over your families. That you're praying the favor of God. That you're, you're praying the kingdom of God in your lives. That what's going on in heaven is happening in your family. That peace is, peace is the thing that's there, not worry. That fear is, you know, fear is gone. Comfort is coming. Numbers chapter six. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel 
with a special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. This is part I love. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel, in my name, God himself blesses you. I don't know what you're worrying about. I don't know what anxiety looks like in your life. But I, I know this one truth, that when you turn it over to God, your worry and your anxiety, he'll take care of you. I want you to do me a favor for a second. I want, I want you to shut your eyes. Today, if you're carrying a burden, it's a worry burden, it's an anxiety burden, it may be small, it may be big, but you're tired of carrying it. Nobody else in this room is looking. I want you to lift your hands up to the Father like a child that's reaching out that needs to be held and is worried and scared but knows the peace of the Father is right there. I want you to extend your hands as far as you can extend them and say, God, I need need you today. And I want you to make this song not just words, but I want you to make this a declaration, a prayer for you and your family and your family's family and for every generation that comes underneath you that you can claim that and claim that over you and and everything's going on in your life. So sing this with us as a prayer. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.